The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, all of y'all out there, thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast produced here in our Westwood studios. Pod617.com is where you go. If you want to find out more about what we do, listen to more of our shows, download, 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 kids. We love the love, and we love you sharing, and we appreciate it. If you want your own podcast, we might be able to arrange that for you. So go to pod617.com. So do you have a bucket list, kids? I do, but it usually it involves just, um, you know, me swimming in a pool of peanut butter or, um, you know, watching a marathon of Three Stooges. I really need to work on my bucket list. But we've got a guy here today that is all about the bucket list. In fact, he is the founder. And what is your title? See, this is a good show prep, Dave. What is your show? What is your actual title at the at the bucket, David? It's founder, editor in chief. Oh, founder and editor in chief. His name is David Abend, and he is here in studio with us. And the digital magazine is known as the bucket and as in bucket list. Did I pronounce your last name right? Yes, you did. Oh, swell. Okay. You know, every once in a while, the blind squirrel finds the nut. Um, So. You launched this. It's very interesting, that, and it's and I'm going to mangle the explanation. Then I'm going to have you fix it. But the bucket, as we think about the bucket, the bucket list, and what we want to do before I die, you've developed this thing about the bucket age, and your bucket age is not like when you're going to die. Your bucket age is kind of how old you are now, but it's 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 ticking down, isn't it? It is. It, it is. the The bucket age is uh, you take your statistical life expectancy. Right. So, um. For most people, or for men, it's, I think, about 83. Uh, for women, I think it's about 87. And you subtract your current age. Right. And the result is your bucket age. So how old are you? So I'm 51. So subtract your 51. So how, your yeah. life expectancy, let's just say Eight. 85. Okay. So 85. So, yeah, that would be 34, I believe. So you, Did I get it right? Yeah. Okay. So you. you're... Thank you. <laughs> so your bucket no. age is 34, so... You have 34 years left on this planet. Well, that sucks. It doesn't sound like that much. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. Um, yeah. And that is a sobering thought. But on the other hand, I guess you could argue it's, uh, you know, it's uh, enlightening and it, and it should be inspiring. I've, only got, be. I've only got 34. So is, is that. So, so tell me, um, how'd you come up with this and how does how, where do we go from there after we get our bucket age? Well, it's it's really just, you know, we use statistical um data from the social security administration to, to on our website to say how long you're expected to live. Um, and it's really not supposed to be perfect. Obviously people live longer, they live less, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's just supposed to be a wake up call. Mm-hmm. And so you think about it in terms of, wow, you know, I, I've got my head down, I got to pick my head up and say, I've got 34 years left. I've got 24 years left. Um, and what am I going to do with that? And it helps you set priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, uh, a way, a way I've described this in the past is with a zoo metaphor. Okay. So do you like to go to the zoo? Have you ever uh, been to the sure. zoo? Yeah, I like the zoo. Um, yeah. 
So let's say you're planning to go to the zoo. You, you're taking the family, and everybody has something they want to see. They want to see the reptile exhibit, the the Serengeti exhibit, the right. great apes, great apes exhibit. You want to go to the uh, the gift shop at the end. I like it when you walk into a cave and then there's that big plexiglass thing and you can kind of see underwater, like the sea otters and stuff. That one's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, that is. Okay. So you go, you take the family and you're, you have lunch and then announcement comes out, uh, the zoo is closing at one o'clock. Oh, yeah. And you say, well, wait a second. We had all these things we were going to do. Right. And what do you mean the zoo is closing? And I didn't even like, see any monkeys yet. I, I didn't on. see the monkeys. Yeah. And you, you think that's not fair and everybody's upset. And I think that a lot of people live their lives this way. Yeah. That you don't check to see what time the zoo's closing. You're right. And so the bucket age is kind of like the zoo's closing for you, Dave, mm-hmm. in 34 years. Oh, damn. So how are you going to live your life? What if, you, uh, if the ape exhibit was the most important thing to you, make sure you get to that and give it the amount of time you want. And if, you know, maybe you don't go to the gift shop. Right. Well, you have to. You exit through the gift shop. We that's, all know that. True. But but yeah, you don't want to be on your deathbed and, and sitting there in intensive care and lamenting that you didn't get to see the monkeys. It's it's true. So is that is is that something we should think about every day? Uh and guide like our the small decisions as well as the big decisions? I think so. I you know, I am obviously I'm doing this. I think of it every day. I have an app on my phone called We Croak. Um, and we have an article with the founder on our website, but it's six times a day you get an, a text saying, don't forget you're going to die. This is what the alert sounds like on that app. (laughs) (laughs) And, Um, uh, it's just this constant reminder in it. I, for me, it does shape just about every decision I make now. See, I, I actually think that's not bad. I had a friend who uh, I have a friend who's a dear friend, and just his thing is he's very uh, frugal. He's always thinking about his, the budget of his family and everything. And so, quite frankly, it's hard to get him to like go on a trip where we have to, you know, you know, put a little something on the credit card or dig into the pocket. And so I was saying to this other, I got th- I got that friend. So that friend's name we'll call him Matt. That's not his name. I don't want to uh, malign him on my podcast. And then I got this other friend named Bones, and that is his, well, it's his nickname. And Bones is more carefree. Bones, like, he's up for anything, right? And I was saying to Bones, yeah, you know, this guy, Matt, we're trying to get him to go on these trips and, you know, spend a little money and spend time with his friends in New Orleans or Florida, wherever we're going. And Bones said, that's what the money's for. Like, he's trying to save money. He goes, "What what is your money for? If not to spend some, some, it's time to go to a nice place and spend time with friends. Right. Does, does Does that resound? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, we, as a fi- ex financial planner yourself, I am. It's uh, you know, what are we saving the money for? Yeah. And uh, obviously, it's important to save money, uh, but I think that uh, sometimes people can be caught up in the saving and not the doing, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to uh, something like a, a bucket list trip that you want to take that requires physical activity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say, okay, I'm going to wait and I'm going to retire and then I'm going to do these things, uh, it might be too late for you physically. And so that's part of what we're trying to get people to, to look at their bucket age and say, huh, I probably shouldn't wait until I'm 65 before I hike the Grand Canyon. Yeah. I was watching a documentary about this sort of 
Ironman style marathon race through the woods in Tennessee that happens every year. And by the end of this podcast, I'll find out what the name of that documentary was and what the race is. <laughs> but the point of the story is that the, 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 there was one guy who, this, this race is insane. It's like a 60 hour race done on the, in these five loops through the woods. It's confusing. People get lost. People, you know, dehydrate. It's, it's terrible. And only like maybe a dozen people have ever even completed it in like the 15 year run of this race. And this one guy wow. had completed it and he was talking about how he, it, it was so gratifying to him, something, it's the sort of thing he always wanted to do. And what he said was, I, I was inspired by a tough year in my life. I lost some people, including my, I think he said my stepfather who had saved all this money and upon retirement was going to travel the world with uh, his wife, you know, this guy's mom. And uh, he died just before he retired and wow. it just broke my heart. And so now listen, the guy sounds like he was doing a noble thing. Right. Working, right. working, working. Yeah. I'm going to save all this money and then we're going to go travel. But it goes to show you, you're going to work for however long, 50 years for however long we work in our lives. It feels like 100. Uh, and um, <laughs> so take pleasure in the everyday. Do things that you want to do and accomplish right before um, before it is too late. Absolutely. I've, you know, part of it wasn't my um, it didn't drive me to do the bucket. But my my dad's dad died when he was 52. Jeez. And oh my, God, you had to say 52, right? <laughs> how many, how many months do I have? Jeez. But he kind of, he, he lived his life, uh, not literally thinking he was going to die at 52, but he said that, you know, that's my time. And he did so much. He's still alive. He's still doing so much. And it was this thing that I watched, which is don't wait. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, enjoy you have to make money. You have to support yourself and you have to have money in retirement, but, um, don't let that get in the way of saying, you know, this is something I really want to do and, uh, I'm going to go do it. So on the bucket, which it's very simple, the bucket.com, you will find what I take it, inspirational articles What what other kind of stuff do we find? Well, it's, uh, we have, uh, articles, we have podcasts, we have questionnaires, we have a forum called the Bucket Brigade where readers can go and ask questions of other readers and, and you know, share wisdom and insight. And uh, one of the things we're really trying to do is make the, there is philosophy, but we're trying to make it a how-to. Mm -hmm. um, it, it isn't, you know, anybody can go to a bucket list uh, uh, website and book a trip. Right. You know, this is about, okay, how do... How can I get this done? We have articles, um, for instance, about uh, house swapping. Mm -hmm. And so this is a, a, a very economical way to see the world by swapping houses mm. with somebody. Um, we have an article. Did, wait, hold, now, hold on. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So if I wanted to house swap, how do I find someone? Uh, I'll, I'll read the article. I'm going to get in trouble because <laughs> I, I forget the, the name of the website. Um, Oh, actually, there are a few of them. But yeah, there's an article on uh, bucket list swapping. Okay. And, uh, you know, that just, there are a few places, a few sites that you can go to and you put your house up and mm -hmm. so and somebody can come and see it and swap houses with you. And so... For like a week? Yeah. For, oh, okay. There and it could be longer. And it's, right. it's a way to do that. We have an article um, where people have been traveling around the world working. Mm -hmm. So they're working remotely. And so we're trying to take... You know, if you so said, hold on, no, hold on. <laughs> we were talking, we were talking before the podcast about how, and by the way, the bucket podcast, it's just called the bucket podcast. Yeah. Right? The bucket podcast. So find that on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast, keep spreading that podcast love kids. So, so 
the thing you just mentioned about oh, we were talking before we started recording you have to listen i wanted to i wanted to show off that i was listening david as you're talking <laughs> so so you just said uh, uh 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 oh i forgot what was the second thing it was the how you said the house swapping thing and then you just brought people up, traveling around the world people, working remotely. that's right okay yeah. okay so the idea is if you work remotely and so many people do these days it's like their, their office is virtual the suggestion is why not travel even though it's not necessary for the, the, the work? Is yes. that the point? Okay. Yes. So in other words, you know, I'm a, I'm a freelance, um, you know, a video. Now that wouldn't be good. Software programmer. Software programmer. Okay. Everything I do is right in front of my, my terminal. And, um, so terminal, mm, play on words. So, and, <laughs> and so, but I'm going to go do, uh, you know, two months in Europe and, uh, I'm going to keep working. Is that the thought? That's the thought. Okay. I mean, there are about, I think, three different uh, people, couples that we highlight in the article talking about how they're doing it. And, uh, you know, it works for them. And, and right. some people, you know, their job won't let them do it. But a lot of jobs will. A lot of companies will. See, I think that's a great example of what, the, I mean, don't let me put words in your mouth. You're the bucket guy. But the but of how you can seize the moment, uh, in other words, some people would say, well, I don't want to do that. I want to save, you know, traveling for my vacation. I don't want to work when I'm traveling, but why not do that too? Do that as well. I mean, listen, you might not be able to afford it, but, but I think it would be interesting. Like if I work from early, I have to be in this wretched studio all day. Just kidding. It's very nice in here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if you can't afford Europe, then, you know, go cross country, you know, go, go on a shoestring and you'll get to work and spend, spend some time. You're onto something here, David. I like it. <laughs> good, good. Would you do that? You can't do that probably because you've got, you got to tend to all your bucketeers. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know if I'd do that, but there are things that I've uh, been trying to push myself to do that mm -hmm. the bucket is helping me do. I haven't done it yet, but in terms of, you know, leaving this town, leaving Boston, mm -hmm. you know, and, and going to live somewhere else for a year or something like that, that's something my wife and I have talked about. How dare you? You're talking to the host of the Boston podcast, <laughs> telling people to leave Boston. Actually, you know what? I've never no. left Boston. Well, that's and and I never have truly either, other than for four years in college in West Philly, and I was quite happy to come back here. But you're actually making a case for uh, th this is a good example of why it makes sense in today's day and age because if you leave Boston, you can still stay connected to Boston. You can subscribe to the Boston podcast anywhere you find your podcast kids or on pod617.com. <laughs> um, but, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, so that, so, you know, stay connected. You don't have to miss home as much. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of these things. I mean, that I woke up one day and realized I'm probably not going to go to Australia before I die. It was the, <laughs> and it's a weird <laughs> example maybe, but like, cause, cause first of all, I don't think Australia, if I had to pick my top three places to go on the planet before I die, Australia would probably be like number seven or eight or something. I think I'll be okay on my deathbed if I don't go to Australia, but it's still sort of sobering because as a kid, I thought, well, yeah, someday I'm going to go to Australia. Right. I mean, why not see the kangaroos? Have you been to Australia? No, I haven't. All right. I always wanted to, well, New Zealand's <laughs> been at the top of my bucket list for a long time, but. Ah, Lord of the Rings fan, are you? Yeah. <laughs> so you knew this question was coming. So what's on your bucket list? He's hydrating. Hold on a sec, folks. Okay. What's on my bucket list? Yep. Um, I actually didn't know this question was coming. Okay. Um, you can pass. I'm not going to pass. Okay. I'm not going to get out of this easy. <laughs> um, well, the, the pat answer is that the bucket is on my bucket list. Doing the bucket 
is a passion of mine and something I've always wanted to do. And I, you know, it kind of became the thing where I didn't want to be on my deathbed saying, I wish I had done that. Yeah. And so uh, the bucket is the number one thing on my bucket list. It doesn't have to be trips. It doesn't have to be places you go. Right. Um, and but, that's, and that's, I think that's a good example for many because having worked in the legal industry, a lot of lawyers used to ask me for career advice. I have no idea why, but, and because, well, it was mainly because I was at Lawyers Weekly. So I was doing some, to them, I was doing something interesting and creative with my law degree. How can I do that? And I started brainstorming. I brainstormed with these people. And unfortunately, two out of three people are like, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, you know, I'm, I, you know, I got a mortgage, you know, I'm making, you know, 225 grand a year at this firm. I can't go someplace and make, you know, $85,000 just to have fun and launch a DJ business or launch a, or open my, my bagel shop or whatever. Right. So do you, what do you say to people like that? Well, I think that, um, money and time are very real things and it's not, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, you're thinking about it wrong. Um, but I think there are creative ways to do things. Um, and we're just stuck in ruts, uh, because we, we haven't done it before and we don't know how to make that move. We're afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we are, we have themes, uh, every month in the bucket and our latest theme is, uh, called what doesn't kill you. Mm. And it's seven articles, uh, and podcasts, um, about people taking risks and being afraid and trying new things and what happens when they fail. And a lot of the stories are, you know, the Phoenix stories coming out of the ashes and, and being better off for it. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, our culture is terrified of failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think that's one of the reasons people don't do things. And also, it's, as I was saying before, they don't know how. And so a lot of our articles are, you know, financial articles about this is how. Um, and logistical articles, this is how. So, it, so sound, it sounds like you sort of anticipate a question of mine, and that is that there are, you know, podcasts, websites, magazines, books, um, the world of media is replete with places you can go for inspiration, self-help, etc. It sounds like your part of your mission is no, 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 we're going to actually show you how to do it. We're going to show you some examples that'll open your eyes. Is that a- absolutely okay. We're, we're trying to, you know, not every article does that. There's a lot of inspiration and, uh, but what we specifically didn't want to be was just inspiration and we're also, you know, there's, um, we kind of overlap a lot with mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of, you know, uh, every day being important and live your life um, that way. Um, but mindfulness can get a little philosophy. It's a philosophy. Right. And, uh, you know, that song, uh, uh, Live Like You Were Dying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's just not that practical. You know, mm-hmm. if, I, if I were... Uh, had a terminal illness and I was dying, I might go into my 401k. Mm-hmm. I might not go to work tomorrow. Right. You know, I, I, things would change. And I think there's a lot of high, um, high sounding words in mindfulness that people can't carry through on. Sounds good, but they can't carry through on it. And so without throwing mindfulness under the bus, cause I believe in a lot of the, the, uh, things that I read, uh, you need some practical, parts of it and like, okay, I, I'm going to think this way. Here's how I can do it in my life. Yeah. You know, it, it I mean, you can't, uh, people will say, well, I'm not going to, yeah, if I'm, if I was going to die tomorrow, I'd, you know, um, you know, 
run out and buy a ticket to Singapore or someplace, but you know, someplace I've never been before. So you might not. So it's like, okay, so go live life while you're dying. Go get the ticket to Singapore. And the person would say, well, no, I can't go now. You know, I got this, I got that, I got that. All right, but you could put it on the calendar for next year, you know, and now you know you're going to Singapore. I had a case where a friend of mine, um, we heard he had colon cancer. And this is a guy I haven't seen probably in 10 years, but he's an old summer camp friend. I still consider him a, a dear friend. And so we started spreading the word that we were going to, in, in support of him, go to this race in, in Washington, D.C. It's a 5K, colon cancer, et cetera, to just for the purpose of doing something nice for our friend who was going through this thing. And I think he's going to be fine, by the way. But anyway, oh, so the, the email started going around and this whole... And I don't know if you were you a summer camp guy. No, I wasn't. Okay. Wayland Town Beach. Well, nothing wrong with Wayland Town <laughs> Beach. It's lovely. But the summer camp crowd and alumni can be cultish. And, you know, you're once you're a, like, I'm a Telnor kid. Once you're a Telnor kid, you're always a Telnor kid. And so you, you could, anyway, the point is once the emails and the, the Facebook messages started kind of going back and forth, it's like, this is great. It's so, I'm so sorry to hear about Curtsy, but I'm glad that, um, you uh, are putting this together and we're getting together and all this. And all of a sudden we've got in three or four weeks, we've probably got, you know, a few dozen people that we're going to, it's going to be a nice little reunion, nice little event. And it hit me. It, it's, it, it should be an obvious point, but why did, why did we wait to get to get, why did we wait for this kind of sad reason right. to get together when really getting to get, I mean, is that cause the, cause that has people, people, the cliche is life is about relationships, right? right. Is that, in, is that in keeping with um, the buckets philosophy? You know, don't, have, don't wait to give the, the old friend a call and all that. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to do some podcasts myself with uh, people who um, have, are in palliative care, hospice. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just did one recently with an oncologist um, who sees a lot of terminal illness. And uh, they all say the exact same thing, that the biggest regret at the end of life is a relationship yeah. regret. Yeah. It isn't about a place they didn't go. Uh, a trip they didn't take. It's about a relationship that they didn't repair or didn't try to repair or something like that. So it's all about relationships. I had heard a survey of nurses who worked in intensive care and, and kind of piggybacking off of your point. And the one I saw said, um, I, I'm not challenging your fact. I'm sure it's right. <laughs> but okay. So another thing that people say on their deathbed is like, what's your biggest regret? I regret that I led the life people expected me to instead of the one I truly wanted to. Does yep. that, does that resonate with you? Yep. Um, definitely have seen that. And, and to me that, that is more buckety yeah. than the relationship thing. I, I think the, I don't know if, uh, the bucket age will help you mend a relationship, but, uh, certainly changing your life, um, and, and saying, you know what, I've had enough. This isn't the person I want to be. You know, we're doing a, uh, an article in a podcast on, uh, do you watch Project Runway? Yeah, well, of course, I've seen it, for sure. Heidi, uh, Heidi Klum. Yeah, so right. there's a um, a person on it this year, this season, is Nancy Volpe Berger. And she is, uh, she, in her 50s, said, I've always wanted to be a fashion designer. Mm -hmm. And I'm Now, this, gonna, is a, this is a contestant on right this Right now, show? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I've always wanted to be a fa uh, fashion designer, and my whole life, I've been doing what I'm. I was supposed to I be doing. I, supposed I to thought, do it. and she said, "I'm going to go do it." And now, she's a fashion designer, and she's still in the show. And um, she's a great example. Was she doing something 
completely unrelated, like, um, a, I don't know, a doctor or a professional of some sort or you don't know. That's yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Off the record. I don't, I should know. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, don't, produce, don't tell anybody that. Okay. No problem. So, um, there's more there. I have a feeling that's okay. I'll let you off the hook on that one. But yeah, I mean, great lesson. Like, like, um, I had on my show, a career coach, her name's Ina Coveney. And she also is known in local podcasting um, circles because she has this company called uh, Podcasting Classes in Boston. And she's a friend of Pod 617. Shout out to Ina. Anyway, I had her on, and, and, but her whole point was don't, don't stop the analysis that, well, I could never be the fashion designer because I don't have the years of experience. Don't, don't, and so therefore I'm out. No, there are things that you can do yourself. So I said, well, I said, well you know, I used to have, no, I was trying to think of something silly that she could never. So I was telling you before the show that I occasionally enjoy karaoke. So I said, uh, karaoke, that's what I love. How could I possibly make that my career? I thought I would have her stumped. She said, no, you could. And I said, how? And she thought for a minute and she said, well, people do love karaoke. So why don't you become a karaoke DJ that people can hire? Okay. So that's nothing new. It's like, okay, well, fine. Now I got an extra maybe thousand, thousand bucks a week, maybe. And she said, well, no, you're not just going to do that. You're going to come so become so good at it. You're going to teach others how to become the karaoke DJ. Okay. And so then, so it's almost like now you've, you're going to build this little empire and you're going to do classes on it. And so, and that was just off the top of her head. Yeah. And she, she brought up a good point. In fact, she started these podcasting lessons, giving podcasting lessons before she even really knew too much about podcasting, but she wanted it as a compliment to what she did. And she was kind of enjoy the whole idea. So get creative people, right? Yeah. And it's and all, it's all coming back to afraid of failure, afraid, like what's the worst thing that can happen, you know, short of, of losing money. Um, most people it's, you know, it's their humility. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want to fail at things. So have you failed? Um, yeah. Uh, if you say never, then you have to leave. <laughs> I mean, that, I've, that's obviously an open-ended question. I mean, in some fashion, I'm sure you have. Well, I haven't succeeded a lot of things. <laughs> How about that? I think that that's I've another been, way of putting it. I've been, maybe. you know, I've had, I've started businesses, and uh, uh, they haven't failed necessarily, but they haven't succeeded the way that I hoped. And uh, you know, going back to my dad, uh, he had his own business growing up. Uh, he and my mother, and I watched that, and I was inspired by that. Um, and, what kind uh, of business was it? A uh, traffic consulting business. Wow. Uh, meaning that when you're frustrated about being in traffic, you go and ask what to do. No. Yeah, he, you, he to, would, to, uh, like, to like city planners, I take it, yeah, or, exactly. or people who design roads. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did that for summers. I like designed ramps and I, I was a draftsman. So is, is it, that, it must have been a frustrating job, though, because it, traffic seems to be something like, uh, you know, I hope we I hope we cure cancer, but at, right after we cure cancer, I hope we cure traffic. <laughs> That's number two, and it, it's, it just seems incurable. But anyway, um, so I mean, you mentioned failure, and I think I, I, I absolutely agree that people are afraid of failure, and and we all are to some degree, right? I mean, are you are you still afraid of failure? Have you conquered it? Would you say? I don't think I've conquered it. I'm I'm ready to fail with the bucket, and right. I think every decision I make is is this uh, choice that I'm making. It's like, should I do this? And why am I afraid of doing this? And a lot right. of times I'm afraid of doing it. It's like, well, what if it doesn't work? Right. And so it's, it's kind of getting back to that, 
that bucket age thing. It's like a constant reminder it's to push myself. Yeah. And so what if I fail? Yeah, and the the, the fact of the matter is a um, couple things. One, failure is underrated in my opinion. <laughs> um, I had a boss that used to say, um, and it was Jim Dolan. He, he owned a bunch of trade newspapers. And so when I worked for Lawyers Weekly, I reported up to him. And very, very interesting guy and had interesting takes on things. One of the first things he said, he, he bought uh, my company, and one of the first things he said in sort of addressing the gang was, I expect you to fail. Because if you're not failing, that means you're, not, you're never taking chances. And that's a recipe for, you know, um, a boring product. It's a recipe for stagnation is, is, is what it is. And um, I think that's absolutely right. And the other, the other thing about failing is it was something I took – probably talked about this in the podcast before. It's like the one good piece of advice I've ever given my son is he, <laughs> he was going through a period in high school where let's just say some of his friends were treating him cruelly. It was typical high school kind of stuff. They were, they were talking shit about him is basically what it was. And he was really down the dumps. And I said, I can't go over to these kids house and wring their neck and tell them to shut the hell up and be nice to my son. You know that right. I can't tell you it's all going to get better tomorrow. But what I can tell you is whenever something like this had happened to me in my life, with the, with the benefit of time, I have looked back and seen that it wasn't as big a crisis as I thought it was in the moment. And um, I don't know if that gave him relief, but a few months down the road, he said, you know what, Dad, you were right. Like, it, it passed, you know. And I think if we think about failure that way, um, we'd, be, we'd be a hell of a lot better off. Because that, that, yeah. that leap, you know, short of, you know, I mean, I'm not going to do what the guy does in the free solo movie would start climbing rocks with no harnesses. I mean, I'm not doing that. Uh, I mean, there is a, there is a, why not? There is sometimes there is uh, an answer to the question. Why not? But, um, but yeah, more people need to take that leap. Yeah. I think the, the why nots, everybody's ready with why nots. Uh, you know, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it. I mean, for me, the bucket, I couldn't do it for years cause I didn't know anything about publishing. Right. Like, what do I know about publishing a magazine and I said, well, I don't. So I watched, you know, I had this idea over 35 years ago and it was a literal, you know, a real magazine in print. And back uh, when there were magazines. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I kept saying, someone's going to do this. Uh, who knows something about publishing. Right. And year after year, nobody was doing it. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, you know, it's the taboo. Yeah. Uh, the taboo of death. I, the, I came up with this idea uh, after going to a friend's mother's funeral. She died young of cancer, mm -hmm. and the family built a pine coffin for her mm -hmm. as a cathartic exercise. And they, oh, they got together and they with, did it from scratch with their hands and all that. Yeah, wow. yeah. and it was you know this it wouldn't surprise you with this family. They grew all their own vegetables, and they were really uh, grassroots kind of people. But on my way back into Boston that day, I was talking to my friend. I said, you know, there's no place for people to do that if they wanted to do that. Like, how do they know how if mm -hmm. they weren't like this family? Right. And started talking. I said, wouldn't it be great if there was a magazine where, that had like an article about how to build the, the coffin yeah. by yourself yeah. and how to this whole demystification of, of death and and. So you talk about a, the ultimate symbolic gesture, right? You're, yeah. build, you're building the resting place for a loved one. Yeah. yeah. It was very cathartic for them. And, and so this was an idea I had and every year I kept saying, you know, maybe I should do it. But like I said, I didn't know anything about publishing. Mm -hmm. And then, I, you know, nobody was doing it. I go, why isn't anybody doing this? And I realized it's the taboo. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about publishing a magazine, but I know about branding. Right. You know, that's my, been my career. 
And really, death has the worst brand in the world. <laughs> it does. It, it's a terrible brand. Yes. And uh, death, hire a publicist now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to work with an account planner who said that her accounts, um, you interrogate a brand until it confesses its strengths. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks, Kristen. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, death or mortality, the strength of it is that bucket age. It's like it's it's looking at how much time you have left and saying, OK, I'm going to make some choices now that I'm I'm thinking about this. And so that's when I started thinking of it as branding mm -hmm. instead of mm. a magazine of what I, what did I know and and rebranding death. Suddenly the idea went from being about death really to being about life. This idea of making the most of your life um, while you're here and, and making decisions while you can still change your life before it's too late. Yeah. Somebody, I saw something on the internet that said, when you're having a bad day, just remember, we're really just a bunk of, bunch, excuse me, when, when you're having a bad day, when I get this right, when you're having a bad day, just remember that we're really just a bunch of monkeys sitting on a rock flying through space. And it's, it's sort of, <laughs> that was not, that was a long walk to get there. But anyway, um, and you know, it, it's, uh, it, it is just that. And so I, I see what you, you're And We talked about this before we started recording that it's, it's not a death website. So don't think of it that way, but you're, how can you take death and turn it on its head? Yeah. Right? It's, it's using it as a death. leverage point right. and a catalyst. Well, after we take a brief break, we're going to hear from certain uh, comedians on the subject of death. We thought this would be fun. Yeah, you know, you, David takes death and makes it fun. Why can't I do it too? So, and and then we're going to listen to what the comedians say about death. And then we'll decide if uh, there's a, a ring of truth to it or, or honor, or we'll rebrand it, right? How about that? That's, so that's good uh, as soon as, <laughs> as soon, we'll get to that right after I tell you a minute about what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? We can produce one for you here at pod617.com. Whether you are a lawyer, a financial advisor, a business owner, or really other, any other kind of professional, you should have your voice here heard through this exciting new medium. You got me thinking about death today. I'm off my game, uh, David. But <laughs> so I got I got some rebranding of my own to do. A good podcast, my friends, is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships we just said it's all about relationships, people. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. That's how it works. Get yourself a show hosted here at, at our Westwood Studios. You invite your clients and other friends in, and they will get a huge kick out of being on the show. It's on all of their bucket lists. I assure you, be part of the pod revolution. Your, your, what is it called again? Oh, your bucket number. It's going down, people. Get in here. <laughs> get your own podcast. Pod617.com and pod we trust. Okay, so... Um, I hope this will be fun. Famous last words. Let's take a listen to a couple uh, comedians and sort of what they have said about death and whether it has the ring of truth or whatever it is. And we're going to react. We got the bucket guy, David. Right here. My mother always used to say I was a very sweet, uh, happy kid right from the start. And then uh, somewhere around five or so, I turned grumpier or sour. I can only think when I became aware of my mortality, I didn't like that idea. What do you mean this, this ends? 
this, you know, this is, this doesn't go on like this. Should be obvious who it is by this point. It's Woody Allen, in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, no, it ends. Uh, you know, you, you vanish forever. Once I realized that, I thought, hey, you know, deal me out. I don't want to play in this game. And I never was the same after that. He's been depressed. All of a sudden, he can't do anything. Why are you depressed, Alvy? Tell Dr. Flicker. It's something he read. Something he read, huh? The universe is expanding. The universe is expanding? Well, the universe is everything. And if it's expanding, someday it will break apart and that will be the end of everything. What is that your business? He stopped doing his homework. <laughs> so that, of course, is from Annie Hall, classic movie. But that's, I, I thought of Woody Allen. It's probably the most obvious example. But in, in many of his movies, he discusses death. And, you know, famously at the beginning of Annie Hall, he says, you know, it's, um, it's the old joke about the people at the nursing home say the food here is terrible. Yes, and such small portions. And that's what life is like. It's miserable and horrible, and then it's over too soon. Um, Have you heard his, his other quote? Um, he's not afraid of death. He just doesn't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Right. So does, is he a guy who spins death? He still seems sort of tortured by it. I mean, he's the classic like hypochondriac, probably in real life, definitely in his films. And so always worried about dying. But I mean, um, you know, as an artist, he's certainly done well by it. Yeah. I mean, uh, for the most part, talking about it is a, is a rising tide. It's lifting mm-hmm. all boats for us. It's like, uh, you know, people who are um, thinking about it usually think about life a little differently. And so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right, let's go to the next one. This is from a film that you've probably heard of. That's what drew to me. Your dark side. Sure. Why don't you have a dark side? No, you're probably one of those cheerful people who dots their eyes with little hearts. I have just as much of a dark side as the next person. Oh, really? When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. That, my friend, is a dark side. And of course, is uh, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan and When Harry Met Sally. I don't do that because it would really ruin the book. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but he's another one who, in this movie and in uh, City Slickers as well, I think you, you got caught some of Billy Crystal coming through you know read the last page first because we although it, it just seems kind of embittered i don't know what do you think? I, I love that uh, yep. it reminds me of one of my father's expressions when he talks about uh he's still buying green bananas <laughs> <laughs> right yeah 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 um i mean is that um but that's, heck that's an example of someone i guess who thinks about death i mean this fictional character here the wrong way every day right you know right. Re- read the last book because geez i'm gonna die um, you know, don't read the last page of the book, like, you know, buy new books or, or write a book or whatever. Right. 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 Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, the idea of mortality for us is an idea. Mm-hmm. It is. We're not, ta- we're not a, a, a book about, I'm uh, not a book. We're not a website about aging, mm-hmm. uh, the elderly hospice, palliative care, end of life decisions. Uh, right. We, we cover those topics, but we're about living life to its fullest and make and helping people get past that, you know, the, the head in the sand, uh, experience where by not looking up, uh, you're not you're, you know, it's that whole zoo metaphor. You're not thinking mm-hmm. about when the zoo's going to close and you're not prioritizing. And, and I think a lot of people's lives can be fulfilled if they just prioritize. Yeah, exactly. 
So um, cheer up, Billy Crystal, or Harry, or whoever you are. <laughs> um, here's a comedic prophet that had something to say about death. You're all going to die. <laughs> Didn't mean to remind you of it, but it is on your schedule. <laughs> yes, probably won't happen when you want. Usually comes along when you're not expecting. Generally, you have your stamp collection out, you know. <laughs> now? No. <laughs> Just want a little time to put away your hinges, you know. No. There's a time to die, and it's okay, you know. It's really okay. Nobody wants to die. Nobody. Well, you know, <laughs> most people don't want to die. Nobody wants to die. Boy, if you think being sick is no fun, <laughs> dying is really a pain in the ass. Nobody wants to die. People don't mind being dead. Being dead is great. But getting dead. <laughs> Nobody wants to get dead. So I hope I don't die. I wonder how often we think that, you know? It's just under the surface, isn't it? You go out for the day, going out of your house. I hope I don't die. <laughs> really spoil the circus. <laughs> Yeah, so you went to the circus instead of the zoo. Right, uh, there's not right. a heck of a lot there, but that's George Carlin, of course, from, um, I think, circa 1978. It's a little eerie to hear that because George Carlin is no longer with us. So, no. But he certainly led a full life. So, again, it's like, um, yeah, there are people that worry about it and react the wrong way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're. it is something to worry about if you haven't uh done everything you've wanted to do or uh, have plans to do it. And, you know, we're not thinking we're fixing everything or anything like that. It's just a perspective that mm -hmm. if it can help people, you know, get one thing done that they might not have gotten done, then we've done our jobs. I knew a guy who I had on the show once. He had this thing. He started with a friend and every, I think every day he emails his friend 10 things that he's grateful for. And the friend returns the favor. Um, does that sound silly to you or does that actually sound like uh something that would be in keeping with the buckets philosophy. Uh, definitely yeah. uh, keeping in the buckets philosophy. We actually have an article that I actually did listen to that podcast. I, oh, you did. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's my yeah. friend, David Keefe. Shout out to David Keefe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we have an article on how gratitude, uh, scientifically has been proven to, uh, extend your life. Mm -hmm. that people who are, uh, have gratitude live longer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't do the study, so I don't know, how they did it and how they prove it. But um, I've seen that in a lot of places. And this idea of, of gratitude is uh, if we do anything to help people feel gratitude, but I think it's this whole idea of looking at your life and understanding what, you know, deciding what's important to you mm -hmm. can sometimes give you that gratitude. It's like, if it is a relationship, if it is, um, you know, what you said about before about, people doing things that they weren't, what was it? You said people are doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing. No, it was <laughs> leading a life that yeah. was the life people expected of you rather than what you truly wanted to do. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that if you can get out of that and yeah. live that life that you want to do, then you'll be, you'll have more gratitude. Right. Well, to, to Mr. Carlin's point about, you know, worrying every day, um, we needed, we need that different reminder every day. So this is, I'm going to make your case for you here. You can subscribe to the bucket 
newsletter or uh, yeah we have a, we have a newsletter yep. we have a membership it's all free it's, okay uh you don't have to put out any money or anything like that i subscribe it's very easy go to the bucket.com there's a button there is your mission to be that remind that regular reminder to people to live your life this way uh yeah we uh, our mission is uh we have a stated mission which is to help people lead more fulfilling lives by acknowledging even embracing their own mortality okay and so uh you know however many times you need to to think about it to uh get you to you know have that influence all your decisions in Mm -hmm. life um you know you don't have to come back every day but we're trying to put out articles every day Mm -hmm. that um can look at it from different perspectives um where you are in life and uh help you uh get out of ruts i got an idea for you and this one's free I was trying to think of how do you remind yourself, how do I remind myself every day of my own mortality and to therefore live life to the fullest? You know, they, people do little tricks where they'll, they'll wear like a wristband or put a, put a rubber band around your, your wrist and then snap it every day to remind yourself of whatever thing that is. Right. Um, so you should have, uh, like bracelets and maybe necklaces. They need to be for both genders, of course. Um, and it should have a little bucket. A little bucket on it. Ah, what do you think of that? I like that. Okay. okay. Just re- You're just getting remind- into merchandising now. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, like I said, that one's for free. Oh, I like <laughs> you need that. Some, you need, let's get some bucket swag going. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, we'll listen to one more comedian before we move on. Uh, I thought this was pretty funny. But uh, I'm really glad you're here. This is a, a, a sizable uh, crowd. This is a big place. There's about 2,500 people here. And uh, that's... Uh, that's a lot of people. That's enough people to be like a sample of the population. 2,500 people is enough people that you're all gonna experience a lot. There's enough people here to say that within two months, at least one of you will die. I, I'm just saying, I, I think it's probably accurate to say that out of any random group of 2,500 people, not all of you are gonna make it to Christmas, unfortunately. There's gonna be. Harsh. Yeah. And at least one that's Louis C.K., of course, kind of darkly true. Is going to ruin your family's Christmas <laughs> by dying a shitty death. And I don't know who it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it was his career, actually. Oh, bad joke. Sorry. Too soon. Too soon. Um, but that, I mean, that, that brings up a question, I guess, is that how do we react to when people die that we know, or maybe we don't know, maybe a celebrity's death. You know, Kobe Bryant, we spent a week talking about it. I still don't necessarily have particular feelings about Kobe no longer being with us, but what do you think? I don't know. In some ways, I feel detached from that. It's part of that nuance of, like, we're not about death. And I don't think yeah. of, I, I think that if it can change the way somebody looks at their own life, that's important. If they can look at it and learn something, and like you are saying before, it's like, that person died and they weren't expecting it. Like, how sad is that? Right. It's like, well, what are you doing? So when you die, people don't look and say, how sad was it that he didn't get to do this or didn't, didn't become the person he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You could argue that Kobe was an example of someone who actually took that to heart on the days he had on earth, because obviously he's known for his basketball skills, but the guy won an Oscar in his retirement. He did a documentary. I, I didn't see the movie, but anyway, well, what I he, mean, he was getting into other things. Yeah, and what he died doing was he's coaching his daughter's That's right. basketball team. Ugh, it is sad, but you're right. Um, and when people we lose people in our lives, it's that 
it's the the problem here is and maybe why we'll, we'll underscore the fact that what you do at the bucket is is not about death um you know we're, we're saddened and we you know although there's there, there's like an uplifting message in there and and by that i mean I, this is going to sound weird but i enjoy hearing eulogies <laughs> and the yeah. reason why is because it often brings out the best in both it brings out the best in the departed person and it also brings out the best in the person talking about them because you're forced to think about i mean no one's going to go to eulogize someone and just trash them go you know what the guy was okay like, <laughs> he was all right he was all right you know we picked up a check a every roast. now and again right yeah right. like anyone maybe i've thought about how i will be remembered after i'm no longer here and i hope and and if you don't like that then you know do something to change it well you know? they, uh you're setting me up here dave okay good um one of our articles is called words to live by Mm-hmm. And it's about writing your own obituary. All right. And what is it going to be? And if it, once you write it and look at it, it is, you're going to ask yourself, is that how I want to be remembered? Uh, there's a story, uh, a Nobel, you know, the Nobel, Nobel, the Prize. Nobel Prize. Sure. Um, well, Nobel, his brother died and the newspaper printed his obituary. Right. And oh, the wrong one. The wrong one. Oh, my God. Okay. And he had invented dynamite. The other and Nobel? Uh, oh, the, the very Nobel. Yeah, the the Nobel very, he had invented oh, dynamite, okay, and, yeah. and so the 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 wrong obituary talk called him the Merchant of Death. Oh, no. <laughs> and how what he had done is because in the early days, so many people died from uh, accidental explosions. Right. And so he was called the Merchant of Death mm-hmm. in his obituary, and he saw that, and he said, "I do not want to be remembered that way." And so he changed his what he gave his money to, and and, and created the. Nobel Prize. No and, way. Yeah. And so that was him seeing his obituary and everybody can do that. I never knew that. That's so interesting. You can write your own obituary and they're actually, you know, we have an article about it, but there, I'm sure if you just went online and to write your own obituary, you'd have somebody, some site helping you do that. So you could look at it and long before you're dead, hopefully, uh, make changes so that uh, when someone is eulogizing you, Mm-hmm. It's they're not calling you the merchant of death. Exactly right. You just gave the best example of it because they they say and it's it's kind of true that when people die, even even people, even celebrities and accomplished people and leaders, most people are known for one thing. And so, you know, if you invented silly putty, that's probably going to be the first line <laughs> of your obituary. I wouldn't mind right? being remembered for silly putty. <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> Let's create a new kind of silly putty. We can be known for that. If you are, if you were the name partner in a prominent law firm, that's what it's going to say, right? Yeah. So if you're the name partner in a law firm and the law secretly um, makes you ill and you 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 <laughs> secretly want to be, you know, um, teach violin or something, I, I don't know where I came up with that one, but then then do that thing. Like, why aren't you doing it right now? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the we have a tagline, live fully, die well. And the die well is not about the act of dying, per se. Mm-hmm. It is about dying without regrets. Mm-hmm. And so um, whatever that regret or regrets could be for you, what are you doing now to uh, avoid them? Live fully, die well. Can mine be live fully, die hard? And by that I mean, <laughs> watch the watch. The, I, I don't want to die before I've seen Die Hard a few more times. I'm now, sure uh, there are more coming out. <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. Cool it, Bruce Willis. We've had enough. By the way, just complete weird footnote. The the name of that race that I mentioned earlier in the podcast is the Barkley Marathons. And if you look, there's a documentary screaming. I think streaming. It's it's not quite screaming, but I, I think it's just called the Barkley Marathons. And it is the that is. Uh, 
crazy race that is uh, a lot of people certainly have on their bucket list. I will never do it in a million years. Is there <laughs> is there anything like that? And a lot of people have that, right? Like the, uh, well, I want to run a marathon. I want right. And mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, you see that Boston Marathon. I mean, the the local news goes nuts about all the great stories. And I just right. wanted to do this. I wanted to do this for my brother. Or I wanted to do it because I've never done anything like this before. Is there anything like that that you that you like to do before you before you go? I mean, okay. I have lots of things that I, I do want to do, but there's nothing that is headliny. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing like, I want to do this thing that nobody's ever done before. Um, but you're an example of the, the change, the, the obituary, because, well, you're, you could be, you know, the, let's, let's fast forward 20 years from now and the bucket.com is, uh, you know, a media giant, exactly. m- more giant than it is at the moment. And then you would be known for that. And, and maybe that's yeah. great. No, absolutely. That mm-hmm. and that is something that drives me every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and but still, there are plenty of bucket list trips I do want to. I mean, I yep. want to go to Scotland. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you been to Scotland? No. And that, yeah, that's got to be on my list too. And I'm I'm part Irish, and I've never been to Ireland either. So yeah, I want to knock them both off. I want to kayak in Alaska. I want. I, there are plenty of things I want to do that would be on a typical bucket list, but. Um, there's nothing. There's not one thing that's at the top of that list. Right. That's right. Except the bucket. Except the the bucket which you've launched, and it continues to gain all kind of attention here, thanks to your appearance here on the Boston Podcast, of course. Um, thebucket.com, of course. Check out the Bucket Podcast. By the way, on the podcast, so I, you you interview people about their journey. Is that about their bucket? It's the very bucket it's <laughs> very eclectic. So as I said before, we've you know I've interviewed. Um, palliative care doctors, oncologists, uh, David McCullough, the Pulitzer Prize winning author. Oh, cool. I got to listen to that one. You know, I asked him questions like, how how did mortality affect our founding fathers in terms of choosing to go to war and how long people expected to live? And so I asked him questions like that. I did a a podcast with Billy Starr who started the Penn Mass Challenge. Oh, okay. And... uh, that was a really interesting uh, talk we had and pulled See, some stuff a, out of that's him. that's a great thing to be known for. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, just did one with uh, uh, Five for Fighting, mm-hmm. John Androsik of Five for Fighting. And he had that song, 100 Years. Which is like an anthem for it this. It is. It is. Right? If, like, if we had a theme song, that would be it. And it yeah. was, it's all about, um, you know, the name of the, the podcast is Dude, Look Around. That, and uh, yeah. it's just about... That episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, that song is all about, you know, recognizing those moments. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I shouldn't have pressed play because it just makes me cry. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, if you've ever, um, for those that have been to bar mitzvahs, this is the most common theme to the slideshow recounting this, which is kind of stupid because the kid's only 13. But, yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, for me and, I, as I said, I'm in the podcast. I am a verse in that. Po- I have a couple of verses in that podcast. And okay. so when that song came out, it just hit me. And I already had the idea for the bucket. And I said, if I ever do this bucket, I'm going to interview Five for Fighting. Wow. Good on you. And you just called him up? I just went to his website and made a case. You know, it was one of those fill out the form right. things. And I said who those I was. Work. And wow. <laughs> and then his, uh, his rep got back to me and uh, it was a great conversation. It just came out last week. That's fantastic. I got to listen to that one. I, and um, well, can you give us a little tease? How did they enjoy the leg? Did they embrace the legacy of this song? Oh, yeah. They do. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
Because I, I mean, maybe I'm a cynical old fool. Some would argue it's become sort of hackneyed. Just, I don't know. It's become like um, too much, like too too much. Like, oh, I get it. I'm supposed to cry now. <laughs> However, it's a classic. I mean, it's a classic. You only get 100 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm 15 for a moment. I'm 29 for a moment. And then it's all going to die. It's all going to end people. Do you know why they're called five for fighting? Yes. Well, John Andras, it's, yeah. it's a one man show. You know, oh, John, it's, just, it's John Andrasik, but he. Oh, I never knew that. His, his uh, stage name is Five for Fighting. I had and no he's idea. a hockey wow. fan. He's a hockey fan. Right. So you, you have certain penalties, you get Five for Fighting, which, yeah. is, which is just a cool name for a band. And has nothing to do with um, 100 Years. But anyway. No. But uh, <laughs> um, this song, it's like Katie Couric's last day on the show. It, you know, the Red Sox in 2004, all well, the Red Sox didn't, but the Channel 38 did yep. a whole montage with this song. And. Uh, so it's it's a well-known song. Yeah. That I mean that reminds me of uh, the song wasn't used for it but in the very same spirit when the Red Sox finally did win the World Series there was an ad that aired it was probably an ad for Budweiser or something but whatever it was it just it was very simple it was um a shot of a father and son at a ball game it, it actually makes me sad. Stop five for fighting. You're making me sad too. I got to turn the song off. But the point is, it was a slide. It was kind of a, a snapshots in time of like father and son, and then ultimately they they sort of sunk in their seat because the, their their Red Sox had failed. We we later find that's what's going on here. You know, flash forward ten years, same thing. Flash forward, and then the Wait. final. Shot, God, I can't believe this stupid ad's making me cry. <laughs> Screw you, Budweiser. But the, finally, the, the the like the, now the dad, super old, is is you know embracing his son, also older. Because it was worth the wait, so jeez. Oh, well, I say if I should have known it, I was going to cry on this podcast. If it but makes you, yep. if it makes you sad, then that's something to think about. And it's like if it's make if it's making you sad for reasons you regret. There's time to change that. So if it's if time is fleeting away, like what are you going to do to capture it, to stop it, and not stop time, but just make sure you're doing the things that will make you smile when you hear that song. Oh man. Well put, man. Well put. And I hope you had fun on this podcast. I did. Good. Make sure you check out the the, the Bucket Podcast for that. I'm going to go back and listen to that one, with the Five for Fighting guy. And uh, many more. Thebucket.com. Just go. Subscribe to their uh, newsletter. And remember, folks, your bucket number is going down. It's not going up. So get out there and listen to more podcasts and other fun stuff, too. Uh, did you enjoy yourself, David? I did, very much. All right. You're welcome back anytime, and um, thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Go to pod617.com if you want your own podcast, and go to the App Store and download the Adori app. That's A-D-O-R-I. Our, our friends at Adori are podcast platform if you click on that your podcast will come to life with images and all kinds of things fun stuff we need more fun stuff in our life that's the summary of my bucket list right there my name is dave on behalf of david abin from thebucket.com i'm just a guy from boston but if you're not from boston you must be the other guy enjoy the day everybody you must be the other guy